are listening to Rogue Table Talks. Here's Mike. And here we are. We are back. Rogue Table Talks. Yo, number 132, 132, RTT 132. Uh, Christmas. Christmas edition. Rogue Table Talks. It's a Rogue Table Talks Christmas. Yes, Merry Christmas. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas to you. Uh, yes, this is uh, will be as we record this. It is uh, December the sixteenth, so we'll miss it in a couple of days, maybe the eighteenth. So uh, obviously, the week after that's Christmas. We're not. We're not. Sorry, sorry, people. Uh, this yeah, is our Christmas sorry, present to you. You won't. You won't get another. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. And so we'll pick this back up in January. So this will be the last uh, 2021 edition. Uh, of Rogue Table Talks, um, and uh, you know you can find us where all all good podcasts are found uh, on the internet and those podcasts like apps and such, Spotify and Apple Apple Podcast and Google Podcasts and whatever else is out there. Uh, so like us, subscribe to us, um, tell your friends, and so on. Here we are, RTT, um, and so. Uh, in, uh, are, are you getting? Uh, I know you, you you have a tumultuous end of the year, moved all that stuff. Are you like Christmas wise? Are you? I mean, we're a week we're a week away. No, a week and a day away from Christmas Eve. So, are you? How you doing, man? I feel like I, I have a uh, I have these old Christmas uh, yep. plates and cups yep. that are from Dillard's from years ago. Okay, yep. and they have the night before Christmas on them, and I, and I love them. So I feel like this week I finally kind of have settled in to it feels like I'm able to, I don't know how to say it, like, you know, celebrate Advent, kind of be settled, kind of mm-hmm. have some calm mornings with Christmas lights up and, um, yeah, really kind of enter into the season because it, it's been pretty chaotic for us and for me and, and moving twice and trying to stabilize and all that and mm-hmm. travel, but, um, yeah, it's good. It's been really good. So, I uh, we have, we we have a ton of you know small family rituals that we do, certain movies that we watch, certain things that we bake, and all that stuff. So we've been really doing that. It's been it's been cool, very nice. You're into yeah. your into a ritual. Um, yeah, we have you know we have our Christmas decorations up for. I think for the most part we have our presents bought, although our kids are now old, you know, adults, uh, and our grandkids are too young to be, uh, I don't know, in the pre-Christmas frenzy. I don't know. We have at least a couple of years maybe for that. Um, so it's kind of in a sweet spot, uh, as far as that goes, Christmas morning for us is pretty, um, pretty laid back. You know, I think the, uh, you know, we probably all try to gather for brunch at like 10 30 or 11 AM. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty laid back slow pace so that's kind of kind yeah of nice. I, I think i think our kids will sleep in probably past eight or nine which you know they're just tired they're which like is a huge yeah which 15 is huge. <laughs> yeah, right. so, correct yeah i i, I don't miss the 5 30 a.m no, right, right. we <laughs> used to have to say up. you can't come wake us up until like 6 30 in the morning or something like you can wake up and, or, and then for a while when they were a little older you can go like look at your stocking uh and then yeah. you can wake us up at whatever yeah, 6 30 yeah. Or 7. So, right <laughs> yeah those days are long gone um yeah so they were sweet when they were yeah uh, you're, they're magical the, when you're in it because yeah. but that's nice to not be in it anymore uh so and as far as a christmas edition goes um you know uh we i thought we would 
kind of look at the, in Luke two. There's a kind of the famous passage, uh, the uh, Linus uh, Charlie Brown the special. You know, he, he quotes from this in the King James, and but I thought I'd place that in this um, just in a sense of um, blessing to the world, because uh, you know that uh, you know glory to God and in, in the highest heaven on earth, peace to those on whom His favor rests, and you know, this glorious thing they went and told about, um, kind of, you know, where does that all fit in in the, in the, you know, God's plan of redemption? And I thought I would start, and you probably could do this a lot of different ways. I want, I want to briefly look at four passages together. Um, the first is Genesis 12, one, one through three, which is a sort of a, you know, seminal, you know, a key passage in redemptive history where, uh, God makes a promise to Abraham before he's even Abraham. He's still Abram. Um, and in, you know, Genesis 12, one through three, uh, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Um, so let's talk about this first promise, uh, God gives uh, similar, similarly worded promises, uh, but maybe a little more expansive, you know, later in other places. But this is the first sort of promise and, you know, uh, covenant to Abraham, to Abram. Um, and so just what are your thoughts? Let's just start general, big picture, your thoughts about that passage and how it just fits into God's plan. Yeah, I was just thinking when I look at this and I'm trying to think previously, this feels like the promise par excellence. Mm-hmm. Like in creation, you don't necessarily have this promise, but you have a kind of a covenant arrangement with Adam and Eve, you know, submit to my ways and have dominion and da 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 da. And then you have this, you do have a promise to Noah. You have the Noahic promise that I, I won't flood the earth like this again. But this promise of, it, it's like the launch pad for redemption. Okay, I will, I will fix everything that's wrong. I will bring blessing because there was curse invoked because of humans fall. And I will bring blessing through people. And I'm going to pick a person, do it through a family, create a nation. And I'm going to bless all the families of the earth through this. And to me, the rest of the scriptures, even Christ's return, is viewed through the Abrahamic uh, lens of this promise, I, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. And that's one of the, I think that's one of the, that's some of the ground that we'll cover here, uh, you know, as we're talking about this today, that, you know, in a sense, the birth of Christ uh, is one part of the unfolding uh, fulfillment of this promise that has sort of many stages and many phases, as you mentioned, um, you know, this, it has to start somewhere. This is where God starts it. And, uh, but that ultimately it is a promise to Abraham. Uh, but then it's a promise through Abraham just to the whole world, uh, which includes us. And we just got done looking at Galatians where, you know, that's what Paul's saying is Abraham, this is before the law, there's no, you know, there's no temple or there's no promised land yet. There's no nothing yet. Um, this is maybe the first hint of a promised land where he says, go to this land, I will show you. Um, 
and it's very simple. God makes this promise to Abraham, and Abraham believes him mm-hmm. and acts on it. And that belief, that faith in God's to fulfill His promise, is is the basis for a right standing with God, uh, and it's sort of the basis for the for the blessing going forward. So it's it's like Abraham is an example, but he's also like the start of this unfolding plan of God just to redeem all things and to bless the world. Um, and I don't think we necessarily, I think we, it's easy to forget how, um, you know, how comprehensive this promise is. If you read it in Genesis 12, it just sounds like God's talking to a guy, some dude, right? Yeah. He just picks some dude out of the crowd. And yet he's, he is, he is, that he did do that. And at the same time, he's talking to me. I guess this is a promise to me as well as a promise to you as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I'm one of them. And that's, so I mean, that the yeah. gospel writers pick up on that uh, in the epistles really quickly. Um, those who believe and trust in the promises of God are children of Abraham. So right. that's the one of the great mysteries of Christ is that we non-Jews, non-children of Abraham, get to be included in the promise because of Jesus. Yeah, and then so then that promise unfolds. There is, you know, later on there's a there's a there's a promised land, you know, that's given. Uh, there's a law that's given. There's a temple that's given. This identity, this national identity that all comes from the root of which is, you know, natural descendants of of Abraham. Uh, other people can become part of Israel, but that's so that unfolds, and then through that. You, there are promises of a next stage of fulfillment, which is, you know, what we say at Christmas. And that's Luke 2, 13 through 20. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those who, on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who were lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So, you know, part of this blessing this promise of blessing of course the next big phase of it is a savior is born that uh you know god's peace comes through this baby this good news of great joy this you know substantial fulfillment of this promise uh and it's a promise to abraham because you know these it comes through people who are naturally descendant from abraham it comes through you know this is the tribe of judah right uh uh, you know, one of the descendants of Abraham, and um, you know this this next stage of this fulfillment to redeem all things and to bring blessing to us and to bring blessing to the world, and it's a maybe a way of looking at Christmas that's a bit different than we can sometimes look at it, um, which might how be so? more individual. You know, yeah, God said say more about how do we typically yeah. look at it? Yeah, like God sent Jesus so that I wouldn't go to hell i mean that's sort of a crass way of saying it but in a sense that's true of course but he sent his son he came 
in his in the form of his son god the son came so that the blessing promised through abraham could be substantially fulfilled and that blessing is large and many faceted Mm -hmm. and we'll talk about a few of those you know in the next few minutes but it's way beyond uh you know me not having to sacrifice a goat anymore or me not having to you know keep the law anymore be circumcised anymore it includes all of those things but it's it's about me and it's about my family my loved ones but it's about way more than that um it's a big story yeah, and we we talk about this quite a few times, or at least we reference it, so we won't go into it in this brief podcast, but it's way more than Christ died for me to give me the gift of salvation. In Christmas, we celebrate gifts and receive gifts. It's way more than that. It's not less than that, but that's not always the most helpful framework. It's Christ died to remove the impediment of the curse so that we could continue to give blessing to all families of the world. Yeah. And the, and and then he did come as a gift and he is a gift from the father. It's all very clear, but it wasn't just so I could simply receive salvation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, what's, um, what's interesting to me is that it's this big sweeping promise, this big, cosmic through all history to all people's fulfillment you know here is jesus born you know in uh, in palestine in the middle east a couple thousand years ago um this promise made um but it's also it's that and it's also comes through the particular comes through a promise to abraham mary is chosen again similarly it's like it isn't as though Mary had somehow earned the right to be the mother of Jesus. Somehow, I guess, supposedly, or one could guess she hasn't disqualified herself in some way, but, you know, that God selects people and blessing comes through them. Uh, so there is a particularity to that, but there's also this universality uh, to it, that there's part of this big sweeping story, but individual, actual people are also involved. Uh, yeah. which I think is kind of cool. You, you kind of get both of those things, right? Well, even back to Abraham, individual, actual people bring about huge cosmic blessing, and yet, and God chooses them, and yet they could have rejected the invitation. Yeah, right. Abraham yeah. could have said, I don't want to leave my father's household. Mary could have said, no thanks. Yep, you right. Know, they were, and we're forced into it, and then we have yep. that same kind of invitation to, if we want to, live for the smaller story, smaller mission, my own success, whatever I think that is, then God's, he will allow us. Now, yeah. he, it's not that he won't work in our lives and try to work against that because he knows what's best for us, but he's not going to force us into it. Right. And I think that becomes, uh, as it gets closer to me, that becomes more immediate. Like at my own ability to opt out of how the blessing of God flows through my life seems more immediate to me as it gets closer to me. Mm-hmm. Um, like for instance, the next, you know, passage I like to look at together that's sort of in a, in this progression, is Matthew five, part of the sermon on the Mount verses 13 through 16, where Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, 
But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. That you are the light of the world, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So again, there's this sense of the fulfillment of the promise of blessing to others comes through the fulfillment in us that we are made salty, we are transformed, we're made light. And But the purpose of that salt and light is to be shared and to be spread and to, in a sense, you know, flow over uh, into other people. That blessing and fulfillment comes to us particularly, but then through us. Uh, but obviously, yeah, there's ways in which we could sort of opt out of that, right? Bury the talents, yeah. not participate, right? Um, and so you can see yeah. it here where, because we all can think of times where I haven't been that salty or I've covered my light up or whatever. So it all we all kind of get the fact that in some ways I can turn away from it. But on the other hand, I'm part of God's plan to bring blessing to the world as he brings blessing to me and transforms me. I'm supposed to be an agent of that to others. And it's all goes back to, you know, God has a plan, not just for me, but then through me. And I'm called to be a part of that plan, but I could, you know, I could skip out on it or I could go light on it or I could turn away from it or, or, or whatever. Um, so what are your thoughts on, you know, tying those three passages together as we are right now. The, and then the, you know, particularly the one in the Sermon on the Mount where we're called to be salt and light. Um, trying to be succinct. I mean, Abraham was salty. Mary and Joseph were salty. And I, I, I mean that in the sense of they were faithful. They weren't perfect, but they were faithful to answer the call. Mm-hmm. and trusted in a way that what's always fascinates me about Abraham is he saw what one one you know, hundredth of a portion of the promise come true right you know right. in his own lifetime and and, and, right. and you know we're like most Christians are like oh I'll see Jesus come back I'm like I, I mean but even if you don't the promise like our, we're to trust in the promise and so yeah, I was just making a list of like, how do we go light on these things so that we forfeit that full privilege of, you know, the incarnational blessing is on our own personal sin, obviously, you know, whatever that is, the trappings of sin that we can get caught up in. That doesn't disqualify us, but it can impede the mission. Uh, or we can get lost. We can unintentionally get lost. We can lose the plot we can think it's about the vacation home or whatever else and i'm not saying those things are bad but we can ultimatize physical material things that we have or names or finances and we lose kind of the plot as you know opposed to seeing those things of subservient to the mission so there's a few ways of like how how do we lose our saltiness yeah or us versus them like we just don't have anything to say to the world around us so we don't have a relationship with them. Yes. Right. So, yeah, I think that's right. I think, you know, the, you know, the parable of sower and, you know, all the different ways in which 
the, the, the seed is unfruitful that we all can experience. And I do think it's, in, in a way, you know, the, the promise seems very particular and personal to Abraham that, that flows beyond him in ways he probably couldn't see. You know, the, you know, Jesus was born in one place and there was a miraculous visitation to one place in time. Um, and then now, you know, so Matthew 5, salt, the, uh, we're salt and we're light. Um, you know, now everyone who's a Christ follower is, a, you know, is a display of that blessing to those in, in such ways that people will see that and give God glory. So now the, it, it's like spreads um, and in a sense gets bigger. I mean, the fulfillment gets bigger uh, in a way that, you know, I'm sure Abraham never probably ever got that full picture while he was, you know, alive on earth. And that we can easily forget and, you know, we can prioritize career or possessions or experiences over it. Um, and then the last passage I want to look at is sort of the, I don't know, in my, a, a culmination, at least an earthly culmination of, of that same idea. For Ephesians 2, starting in verse 19, Paul writes, Consequently, you are no longer foreign, foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And so you see now the fulfillment of this promise takes place not just in me and, and in each of us spread out over the world as we're salt and light, but in us together in a way that seems even more crazy, more miraculous. And that we collectively as the church are the fulfillment of this blessing to the world, or at least called to be, and fulfillment of the blessing to each other, or at least called to be. And what I love about this passage, and just as you put it in this, we put it in this progression here, it, it kind of uses Old Testament, in a sense, imagery, that we are the new temple, the temple that... Yeah. The physical temple that Abraham didn't never saw, because it it was so far out, long after him. We are you know we have long, uh, you know long succeeded that, and now the temple where God dwells in the world is His church, and we are to be a blessing to each other and to the world, in a way that I'm sure Mary and Joseph, uh, you know didn't didn't quite uh, couldn't couldn't quite have grasped. Um, and yet that's, that's our calling that, that in a sense is a, a, an intended fulfillment of the promise of blessing to the world made, made Abraham, you know, uh, fulfilled to some extent, uh, in Bethlehem, you know, shown to be true as we're salt and light and then together as we're, as we're God's church. Um, it's sort of an awesome, huge, big, epic story of blessing and Christmas is sort of right in the middle of it. Yeah, I like that. It is a big story of blessing, and Christmas is in the middle of it. And I, you know, okay, pet peeve. I, I don't like it when preachers and teachers jump too fast from incarnation to crucifixion because the incarnation mm -hmm. is a significant event on its own, and they're all connected. But it's like, don't forget, he didn't stay a baby. I'm like, yeah, but he became a baby, a helpless yeah. little frail. He emptied himself of his glory, maintained his deity, emptied himself of his glorious privileges, um, and became human. And 
Uh, J.I. Packer says this is one of the most miraculous things of all. If you think about people who say, I have a hard time accepting the miracles of Jesus, well, maybe a wrestling point for them is the incarnation. Because if God really became flesh, then it may follow that he's able mm -hmm. to do miracles. Sure. Um, so so there's that. But then um, uh, another little nugget it, for me is, is uh, something I'm very fascinated by. Is a lot of scholars think that in Genesis 1, compared to the ancient Near East, when a when a um, uh, divine being was uh, creating a temple, the idea of the divine being resting from their work would mean that they had created a temple, a dwelling place for themselves, and resting means that they were coming to indwell this temple. So a lot of people read Genesis 1 through that lens and think that the whole creation is God's cosmic temple, which I tend mm -hmm. to see that a little bit as well. So then you have this idea of Abraham being a people who would be preparing again the creation as God's cosmic temple. And now you have the church with these echoes of you're the temple, but not just the lens of Solomon's temple, but the creation temple to where this universal blessing will flow, where God will once again come and dwell in and through his people. And the incarnation is a significant uh, picture of God coming down again to dwell with people in and through people. And um, I, to me, that's fascinating. I, I think, you know, some people are like, well, the church is dying. Well, the church in the West is struggling. It's not dead yet. But um, experts say that there's going to be probably a billion believers by 2050. You know, so the church has continued to grow. The church, the mission of Christ, the message of the gospel has continued to spread, it hasn't been snuffed out, uh, continues to bear fruit all over the world, um, and that's something that you see. We don't talk about that enough, but people are continuing to become Christians. The message grows. Right. The and, universal uh, blessing is think... taking place. Right. Yeah, that's right. And, of course, the actual institution of the church can do this poorly or well. Sure. Uh, and individual churches can, for a time, do this poorly or well. Um, and of course we have our own feelings about that and how we've been impacted by a church or a church leader or, but all of that is, that might be true and valid to our experience, but that's not even where we're talking about. We're talking about something even bigger than that, even bigger than any individual church or even, yeah, even the church in America, which is, you know, not, yeah, not, not, not by any, any stretch, the majority of church in the world. Uh, where we exist to be in relationship with one another. And when we are, then, you know, God in his spirit does dwell in us and we are to be transformed. And in that process, we're to be salt and we're to be light and we're to fulfill the promise of being a blessing to the world. And I do think that's, um, it's part of the, you know, if you want to say it's part of the Christmas story that calls us to something more calls us beyond ourselves uh, to, you know, to, to, to something more. And there will be a final fulfillment, of course, in, in heaven when then, you know, the, the, uh, the final blessing will be given to all those who are true children of Abraham, who are true children of this original promise way back in Genesis 12. Uh, we'll be together and we'll love one another and we'll be unified and we'll worship and we'll be transformed. Uh, and that is something that we can, we can look forward to as well. So, um, I do think 
the, our present experience in church might be disappointing. And or my present experience of being salty in light may be disappointing or not. Or your yeah, my experience probably of you being before salty. I'm, right, before I'm disappointed in everyone else, I probably am a little disappointed in myself. Right. Because that's right. really before what I'm disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When we say I'm disappointed in the church, like I think I'm mad at you because you're not you know, you did this or that and we blame this thing called the church, I think. Um and you know, that I am part of this thing. I can't get away from it. You know, that I can't opt out of it. Uh, I'm in this big story. I am connected with these other people. I am part of his church. I am called to be salt and light. I am called to bless those in the church and outside of it. And um, nothing gets me out of that in a sense. And nothing, you know, should. Uh, And, you know, I, I think when we celebrate Christmas, it's probably good for us to then remember the promise uh, of blessing being fulfilled there is part of this fulfillment that I am now called to, uh, in a sense. And I am called to be one that people experience the glory of God through. And we are called to be one collectively where people experience the glory of God through because we're the, the temple of the Lord. Um, just like the angel said to the shepherds. And, um, I think it's kind of a neat way of looking at it. And, uh, um, I don't usually look at it that way, really. Yeah. I think, you know, culture yeah. gets in the way, right? A lot of things get in the way, and we, you know, a million trees, a million things, as the innkeeper yep. said. A million trees, a million <laughs> I just things. Have just one last thought. Clear. I think that's, yeah, be clear. Isaac Watts, great theology. Uh, he comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Yep. Far as, far as the curse is found. Yeah, that's right. So that's where we are. We are still where the curse is found, and we are still the agents of blessing and the receivers of blessing. So let's end it there. Let's uh, end it with that Merry Christmas message. Uh, Grace and peace, and Merry Christmas to all, and to all, a good night. Thanks for listening to Rogue Table Talks. Be sure you're subscribed to our podcast wherever you listen, and on our YouTube channel. Just search Rogue Table Talks.